Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? He is so good to us. He has such a plan and a purpose for you. God has got a plan and a purpose for you. It's to know him. Everything else comes out of that. When we get that right, everything else is right. And so many times we're trying to make plans and trying to make purposes, right? Who's been there? Trying to figure it all out. We're trying to do it. Let's help God be God. I'll help God. And you know, the greatest way you can help God is by resting in Him. (laughs) You can't help Him. But if you want to try to help Him, help Him by doing nothing. Just rest in Him. If you can learn to rest in Him, everything else just comes. Everything else. He's so good to us, isn't He? Isn't He kind and merciful to us? He's so good. I just have a word from the Lord today that I want to share. And we were reading last week how I was just preaching on the Lord's going to finish it. The Lord's the beginning, the end. We read in Revelation, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's going to finish what he started. We saw in Philippians Jesus is going to do it, and yet then in Philippians 2, it tells this connection that we have with him. It's him doing it, and yet us then walking it out, right? We can even see that picture in God the Father. God had his will. God had his plan. And then Jesus walked that plan out on the earth, right? Do we see the picture as his church? Jesus walked out the plan that God already had in his heart. Come on, the Bible tells us in John 1, 1 that Jesus was with the Father when everything was made. So before anything that you see was made, including your DNA, which was in the soil, right? Pulled it out of the soil and made the first Adam. And you are still, you are here because of that creation. And in that moment, God had a plan. God had a plan for redemption. And Jesus literally walked that plan out. And we looked at last week that we are to have the same exact attitude, the Bible says there in Philippians, have the same attitude that Jesus had. So if Jesus walked it out, what are we called to do? We are called to walk it out. And I talked last week about this little word, belief, I want to look more into that. I want to look more into the word belief and how we can believe in God, but actually we have to believe in everything God said. We can say, I believe in Jesus, but the question then becomes, what Jesus do you believe in? Do you believe in the Jesus that the movie star or the rock star gets up and says, I just want to thank God for all my success? Do you believe in that Jesus? Or do you believe in the Jesus of the Koran? who was a prophet but didn't have deity? Or do you believe in the Jesus that's just, yeah, I love Jesus. I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything he said. I don't believe in the Bible. I barely believe in God, but I love Jesus. What Jesus do we believe in? And we have decided as Christians, as real Christians, that we believe in the Jesus of the Bible. The only Jesus, right? I joked last week, right, that there's many Jesuses still south of the border, right? We have a name. They're here in the U.S. too. Jesus, right? All right? That's fine that their parents named him Jesus because it's just a name. 
but they're not the son of God. So just because you could say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in that person over there. It's not just believing in the person, it's believing in who he is. And if you believe in who he is, then John says that he is the word. Everybody say the word made flesh. He is the word made flesh. So if we believe in Jesus, then you have to believe the word. There is no other way around it. You can say, I believe in Jesus all you want. You can say it right to your deathbed and believe you're going to heaven because you say, I believe. But if you don't believe the Bible, you really don't believe because Jesus is the word made flesh. So you cannot have one without the other. And that means we also have to believe everything. Come on, everybody say it. Everything. We cannot believe a partial truth. We cannot believe Jesus to such and such a point, but then we stop. Jesus, I believed you until this point, but now you've gone beyond my understanding. You've gone beyond where I'm comfortable believing, so I'm going to believe you here. I'm going to let everybody else believe you there, but I'm just going to believe you here. This works for me. God, that works for you. It doesn't work like that. If we truly believe then we must believe everything he said. We must believe that what he did and what he said actually happened, but we cannot just believe it as a history book. There are many, many scholars who wrote history about great leaders. Jesus is not just a great leader. He was not just a great prophet, but he is the son of God. And so he came representing God. He came walking God out on this earth. And what he said and did, and then those his followers of the New Testament that wrote about what they experienced with him and the revelation they had with him firsthand right there in that first century, we have to listen to what they said. We have to believe it. We cannot try to reorganize it and reculturalize it and retranslate it to fit our needs or fit the times as they change, because they will. And they're going to change again. And they'll get weirder. Times will get way weirder. Times will get darker. But we cannot change the word. The word is the word. God is who he is. Amen. There's a very interesting thing that happened, and it's, and it's actually debated, and which I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to debate it, but I want you to look at a verse. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 6. And I just want you to look here, and we're just going to read a few verses, and we'll get to where we're going here. Mark, chapter 6, verse 1. I just want you to say something out loud. Sometimes your mouth... Sometimes you need to tell yourself something. And if you're willing, I want you to say something out with me. You ready? I'm ready to receive, Lord. We need to come ready. We need to be open and willing. And in fact, that's part of this text right here. The Bible says that Jesus left that part of the country and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Everybody say his hometown. Jesus went back to his hometown. This is a fun story. It's actually, it's heartbreaking on one side. At the same time, it's fun because, oh, oh man, I can't even, it's hard for me to put into words. It's, it's not fun. I'm sorry. It's hard to explain, but you will encounter this just as Jesus did your whole life. <laughs> 
People think they know you. I got a beard, so people go, oh, I'm like you. We're all bearded. We're the same, right? We're the same color. We're the same this. We're the same culture, right? We're the same denomination. Everybody tries to group up and try to think they know who you are, but, you know, Christ is not really from Nazareth, is he? They thought they knew Christ, just like people will think they know you. Come on, we need to be unknowable anyway. You need to just shed all that off and say, I don't know who you're talking about that you think you know, because that's not me anymore anyway. Maybe the person you think you know, well, that person died with Christ on the cross. I'm a new creation in Christ. And if you say you know me, then you must know Jesus. Should I tell you about him? <laughs> so he comes back. They think that he comes to his hometown and they think that they know him. Come on. Did you hear that? There's a people that think they know Jesus. Wow. Let me say it again. There's a people that think they know Jesus, but they have no idea who he really is. He comes back to his hometown and it says, the next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Verse three, then they scoffed. That's the heartbreaking part. Then they scoffed. They were okay with Jesus, the Jesus that they thought they knew, but they scoff because they're like, he's just a carpenter. Jesus, yeah, I know Jesus. He was a good guy. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James. Yeah, we know Jesus. Jesus is the guy of the Bible, right? Jesus, he was all about love, right? He's the one in red. We know who he is, and his sisters live right here among us, and it says that they were offended. They were offended and refused to believe him. Everybody say they refused to believe him. But see, they, didn't re they knew who he was. They just stated who he was. We know who this Jesus is. They thought they knew Jesus, but they didn't know him, did they? That's a very powerful truth that as Christians we should always remind ourselves of. Not to feel in any condemnation. You know him, you know him. But you should be constantly asking yourself, am I like in autopilot? Do I think I got it figured out? Do I think I know the word? Do I think I know Jesus or do I really know him? Do I think that I, because I've read the verses once or twice or a hundred times that I've got the full understanding of Jesus? Because you don't. That we need to constantly have our eyes open to who he really is. We think we've got it figured out. We think we've got him figured out. We think we've got this whole picture of the faith figured out. And you know what happens? As soon as we come up to roadblocks, you know, the same exact thing that happened in the Bible, right? And there's another mirror of this in John 6. Are we all, to, are we all here? 
Amen. We're all here. John 6, we have another, right, kind of like we'll call it a sister verse to this, where they went to such and such a point with Jesus, but then they could go no further, right? John 666, I mention it all the time because it's such a, an, an incredible verse. It says that many of the disciples left him and followed him no more. They hit a certain point where their offense put up offense. Come on, they put up offense and could go no further with Jesus. You know, we still do that today. Every time they make a new denomination, that's what they're doing. They all would profess that they believe in Jesus, all of them. But they say, you know what? We just can't get this truth that you, that you claim Jesus is taking you into. So we're just going to do our own thing. And I'm not saying that at the heart, out of, out of the heart of what was maybe happening in that particular situation where they split and now you've got two things and then three things and then I quoted it a couple weeks ago, 30,000 demonations. I said that right. 30,000 demonations in Christianity. 30,000 different demonations that say we know Jesus better than the other one. It's a sad truth, isn't it? And you know what? The thing is, they would never ever admit it because we're included in it too. But at the core of those denominations is that they didn't believe something. I just don't believe that. That's what we say. Just don't believe that. I don't believe that. And maybe there's some things that we shouldn't believe. So I'm not saying that it's, that's, it, it doesn't, that it, it's not going to happen in your faith that there's going to be a point where you can't believe because there are heresies. But we need to go to the word and we need to go find the Jesus of the Bible and not the Jesus being preached. Come on, not the Jesus of denominations. You need to know the Jesus of the word. Amen. Is this making sense today? Because they thought they had to figure out, this is not a new thing that we're experiencing today. This is not a new thing. This is an old thing. And then we're, we, we, re, we say, I know Jesus, he's this, this, and that, so he can't be that. Amen. But it says they scoffed and they, they know who he is. Then Jesus told them, verse 4, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family, and because, everybody say, and because, verse 5, this is the verse that is, this is often uh, controversial, because of their unbelief, everybody say their unbelief. Belief in God, and that's what I want to get into in just these next few minutes till the end, is really the whole key to our entire faith. We call it faith. You know what the word faith is? And when, we, we, when you read the Bible, you see the word faith and sometimes translated believe. Do you know it's the same word? It's just the translators wrote faith and they wrote believe, but actually it's this Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, however you pronounce that. And it, it, it means to believe. Faith, believe, believe faith. And it's not just a belief, it's a belief that's so strong that no matter what, you just keep believing. It's not I believed once, then you didn't really have belief. Then you don't really have faith. 
As I believe and I just keep believing 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 and I keep believing. And every time I get to something else in the faith that's hard for me to understand, just as it was for the believers, I just come back to him again. Every time I come up to a roadblock in God, a place where I don't understand, a place where it doesn't make sense, you know what we do? We just keep believing and we cry out again. Do you know the Lord is waiting for us to cry out to him? The Lord is literally, what do you think God, do you think that God is busy? Come on. (laughs) You think God's like, I'm too busy for you? Do you realize, come on, we have to read the Bible. He only made this earth. Come on, he did not make the animals and say, that's good enough. He started the whole process with one purpose, for us. He wasn't there yet. He was getting there. He made this, said it was good, remember? He said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It wasn't finished yet until he made us. The whole purpose is for us. So what do you think God is doing? Do you think that he's like, oh yeah, that's right. Totally forgot about you. I just forgot. I'm so sorry. I got a lot of my mind. I got a lot of things going on. I just forgot about you. God is literally waiting for us to believe in him. He's waiting for us to believe in him. And I came here today to encourage you that he wants you to believe for more that the devil will try to get you. Come on, there's a blindness, there's a weightiness, there's a heaviness. The moment you're born, this whole world system is gonna try to suppress you, to try to, it's training you, right? The school system, it, it took, it took 5,000 plus years, whatever, to get to our school system. But it's literally in the last 100 and change years got literally into the school system, there's no God. From the moment you're born, everything around you is trying to suppress belief, not to encourage it. Mom, when it first came out, it was the theory of evolution. Remember when it was called the theory? It's not the theory anymore. They write it like fact. This is not, this is what we believe. This is. Who told you that? Where's your book? I at least have a book. They go, we have science. I have science too. Do you know what the original meaning of the word science was? You want to go to an old 1800s dictionary, you know what it was? I'm going to give you a sloppy version of it, but it was the study of things to prove God. Do you know that's what the word science meant? What a joke. When they go, we got science, I don't think so. You got your own religion, that's right. You got your own faith. Their unbelief, he could do no miracles. Because of unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them. That's how powerful unbelief is. And the devil knows, if I can get people to not believe, I can restrict Jesus. I know that that's like, I'm being really careful because God's God too, right? And, and, and I, the Lord gave me three words just to kind of just mention, not necessarily to preach on, but you to be aware of today. And that's his sovereignty. That's his providence. But that then there's this third word that we don't talk about enough anymore. The church needs to bring back again, which is faith. 
or belief. God is sovereign. He's over all. And he proved to me this week, I don't have time. It would take too long. But he just proved his providence over and over all week just to go, just to tell me, come on, to come and encourage you, to tell you God's watching. I've got it figured out. Meanwhile, I'm still making decisions. Every single place and thing I did, I made the decision. But God was watching over all of it. And he was causing this to be here, that to be there, this voice to be here. There were so many things working together. His sovereignty was clear. His providence was clear. And yet there was this faith that God, I know, I cried out to him on Thursday morning. I said, I don't know what is going on. Come on, we need to do this sometimes, Christians. I said, Lord, I don't know what is up, but it's just chaotic. Come on, who gets to that place? And I need to believe you again. I think I know you, but there's some sort of disconnect right now. I wasn't going to go to hell. It's not that type of unbelief. We have to realize belief is, is a state of mind. You realize this? It takes belief to know. To, it takes faith. The whole, the whole thing is called the faith. Without it, you can't know Jesus. It all starts with belief, but it's a continual belief. The moment we get into, this is why Jesus said it. I mean, Jesus just spoke so much truth that we just, we, we read it, we flip over it like we know it, but we don't really know it. That's why he said it, and I say it many times from the pulpit, why are you worrying? Because you know what happens is when we worry, do you know what it's saying to God? In a very subtle way, in the natural, but blatant in the spirit is I don't trust you. I don't think you do know what you're doing. It was your faith that did this. You ready? Lord, take my life. If you got saved the right way, then you gave him your whole life. You didn't just pray a prayer, but your prayer matched a heart that said, this is not my life anymore. And when you did that, and then when we, we get into this place of unbelief, we trusted Jesus for so far. We think we got it figured out. We think we understand. We think we know. But wait a second. <laughs> Lord, you've abandoned me. Lord, you failed me. The Lord's looking from heaven sometimes saying, how did you think that? <laughs> Why do you think that I failed you and abandoned you? Now, he did not have to do anything provid providential. That's the right word, maybe this week to prove himself, but you know what? He's a good God. He loves us so much. He's so gracious and kind to us. He's exceedingly kind to us. He didn't have to, but I love that he did. I love that he's a good father. And I really felt, I was just telling someone before service that I felt like God the Father really came with me this week in a different way. That we were just riding around working together today, this week. Very special. Looking back at the end of the week, I almost was unaware, and I feel bad that I was unaware. That makes me then just want to more, and the Lord loves that heart. But he was with me this week, and, and he didn't have to, but he just wanted to show me that I do have it under control. You just need to trust. Come on, you know what real belief is? Belief is not when you've got it figured out. That's not belief. Belief is not when you know because then you don't believe anymore. You know, 
Come on, let's get this understood. This is such an underst- a mind understanding the Lord's teaching today. We're supposed to come to a knowing in Jesus. Come on, we come to a knowing in Jesus. And no matter what anybody tells you, that will not happen on this earth in fullness. We really are never going to fully know him until this earthly body, this earthly mind, and this earthly devil are gone. Now, we don't let those things win, do we? But those things will constantly be barriers and restrictions to us. And one day, all that gets shed off. And the Bible says that we see him with face unveiled, right? In our spirit, we do, but face to face, we're going to see him unveiled. So he's getting us to that place of knowing, but until that time, come on, what did Jesus tell Thomas? He's called doubting Thomas, but remember, Thomas is the one that says, let's go and die with him just some verses before. He's called doubting Thomas because he says, now I believe. And Jesus actually said, blessed, come on, there's a blessing to us. Blessed are those who believe and they have not seen. You don't believe because you've seen. You believe because you believe. At some point, we just have to believe him. It's really the only way that martyrs can actually stay in the place that they're in and still keep worshiping God and loving God. They got to a place with God where they're not looking at their circumstances at all anymore. And it's the only way you can endure martyrdom. Come on, it's happening right now. The only way you can do it and say, I will not deny him is because of what they don't see, but they believe. They don't see it. They don't see Jesus taking the knife out of the Islamic terrorist hand, right? It's coming there to cut their head off. They just say, but I do see in my spirit beyond that. I can see what you can't see, and I pray for you. I wish you could see what I can see, but I believe that he's not going to fail me, and you can take off this natural head, but I'm getting a new one, and it can't be taken off the next time. That's the belief that we need. That's why, you know, it's, there's this, a friend of mine, am I going to all over the place? Okay. A friend of mine, he had a dream. I had so many other things I was going to tell you too for another time. A friend of mine had a dream probably 15 years ago, told me about 13 years ago. And I always remembered the dream, but I felt compelled to text him this morning at seven o'clock in the morning and say, hey, doesn't even live around here. And I said, hey, uh, you told me about a dream a long time ago. And do you remember it? He said, you have to jog my memory. And I said, okay, the dream was about, there was two crowds of people. On one side, there was a crowd that was, that was yelling fiercely, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And on the other side in this church was this other group of people yelling at them, faith, faith, faith. And these two were at war. And I felt compelled to ask him about it. And so he said, he said, neither group, everybody listening, he said, neither group is taking responsibility for their own life. 
and walk. One says, it's all whatever God wants, and the other, we can have whatever we want. But neither seeks out the heart of God to find out what is of Him and what is not. That's the exact place that we're coming to here, isn't it? Coming to the place of what you think you know and then stopping. You're not willing to go any further. It says, Neither seek out the heart of God to find out what is of Him and what is not, nor seek Him for the wisdom to walk in both the trials and the blessings. In other words, neither group knows God nor His heart. And neither group desires to seek it out because they have their way already established and are right in their own eyes. When he wrote me back that response, I was like, did he just quote a Bible verse like that just got written in heaven? It was so profound, not knowing anything that the Lord had been speaking to me. I just said, hey, Here's the dream. Tell me about it. And when he came back with that response, I was overwhelmed, to say the least. I said, wow, Lord. Again, your providence, your sovereignty. There's this place that God wants us to get to where we believe him no matter what. It's a place of balance where we understand who he is, and, and I have many, many verses we could look into, which you can come and see me if you want to look into those verses yourself, because for sake of time. But the word is filled with verses that say who God is, just who he is on his own, right? Without us, without the world, just the God is. And there are many, many, many verses that say about what he's doing, and he's watching, and he's raising up kings, and putting down kings, right? And he's causing Pharaoh's heart that was already hard to harden for a purpose. And then he allowed, the, he allowed the Pharisees to be hard. Come on, remember? So that Jesus could go to the cross. But what people don't remember, they think, oh, well, God just blinded them. That's not, that's not fair. But then the whole book of Acts is Peter now going to the very people. Uh, we were just reading it this week, right, church? We're reading Acts together. And he goes to the very people and it says that then he said, the very Jesus you crucified. Who's he talking to? The people that God used for a season in providence. Come on, in sovereignty and in providence. But now give him your faith. Come on, isn't this incredible? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God good? He's like, but now God did it because he's sovereign and he's providential. But now if you'll give him your faith. And the Bible says that many of the priests got saved. Many then did turn. Many turned. There's a place where we recognize who he is. We recognize his order. But then he tells us to call on him, to seek him, to pray to him, to believe him over and over and over and over and over again. So I don't want to stand here today and say, well, God is sovereign or faith, faith, faith just like the dream, but neither. They'd already made up their mind. It's that balance of letting God be God and doing what he's doing, but also believing that he's God and doing what he's doing, but also not afraid to call upon him and ask him, Lord. Come on, I bring this up a lot because I love this prayer. 
Jesus, the Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, with one purpose, live on this world for a season, prove that you can live without letting the devil overcome you, take the entire sin as a sinless, spotless lamb, go to the cross to bring us into eternity with him and restore that relationship. And the Bible says that right before that, he went to God and said, God, is there another way? You know, God in heaven was not offended when Jesus cried out to him. In fact, God had mercy and compassion on him and love for him, but that's where his sovereignty and his providence overruled Jesus's faith. You think that Jesus had enough faith to faith himself out of the cross? I mean, he said it. If there's no confusion, I actually, I'll go to the Bible, not my opinion. Here he is. Pilate, you're not putting me on that cross. If I wanted to, I'll just call down angels. Save me right now. Can have my followers save me? I'm going there willingly because there's a plan and a purpose of God. There's a place, there's a plan and a purpose, God's sovereignty, but we need, God is literally, he's not like, oh, don't touch my will. Don't touch my will. Don't touch my providence. He's literally, and only a way that God can do it, you got to think not human, not natural, because see, what happens when we make plans? Don't and I are planners. And it's tough for us when we get, when someone breaks the plan, and like, we have to take a mental note. Okay, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's cool. Humans, you break the plan, man, it's like, God, somehow his plan leaves room for you to talk to him. Come on, it's a relationship. It's not just God. Up, we're not robots. He could have made us that way. He's God. He chose to make us with relationship, and we can go through the word. You can see over and over and over again that they prayed and actually changed God's heart towards a situation over and over and over again. And if you could say, well, that's not scripture, you know, they did it, but that wasn't God's plan and purpose. But even Jesus prayed that prayer. Come on, church. He wants us to begin to pray again. This is the whole thing. Begin to pray. Just because you're not, haven't seen a healing yet doesn't mean God doesn't care. Just because you haven't seen your bank account rise to a certain point doesn't mean God doesn't care and doesn't mean that it will. This, I know I'm messing with heads today because we're talking about a spiritual sermon here. You pray anyway and then finish it like Jesus did, but thy will be done. But he is literally, do you know how many things God is waiting to give and to do for you that just haven't been prayed? And you say, well, I don't get it. Why doesn't God just do it automatically? Why pray? I'm just going to say for today, I think I could come up with some answers, but I'll just leave it like this. I don't know why God in all of his greatness and bigness decides to do so much through tiny little us. But let's just, instead of dealing with that argument for the next six hours and what that is, let's just say this, he does. If he didn't want us to pray, he never would have told us to. If he didn't want us to seek his face to be found, he never would have told us to. If he didn't want us to lay our hands on the sick without the results, come on, he didn't tell you, lay your hands on the sick, and if they don't recover, you know, gosh, I don't know whose lack of faith it is. We're going to have to talk about this. He 
just said, you lay your hands on the sick. You let God do the recovering. Come on. You begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Just cry out. And God is not offended when you think he has a will and you pray, even opposing his will. Come on. I know I'm being careful. As long as you finish it with, right, thy will be done. Because you're not even sure yet. You think you know. Jesus was pretty sure. That's the way. But he prayed three times anyway. Come on, do we get this today? He still prayed three times. So he was pretty sure, but hoping God could change his mind because Jesus was like, well, you did it for others in the word. Right? You gave Hezekiah 15 more years. Come on, guys. Don't tell me prayer that God just has his plan and his purpose and his will, and that's it, and you can't touch it, because that's just not the Bible. And yet God is God. He is all at once. And only way that way that he can, and if you try to figure this sermon out in your mind, you're going to get it wrong. How do I close this up? He's in charge. He has your purpose, and your, he is watching your life. You don't worry about his plan and purpose and will. Just stay in it. You just let God be God. Just let God do his part. We do our part, all right? We're not going to do his part. We're going to do our part, which is this. Pray. Stay in your word. Stay among the believers so that we make sure that, right, we're not just off in our own and believe in our own thing and doing our own thing. We set those things right, and then the Lord will naturally have his will and have his way. Believe me, God's God. He will not be mocked, right? He will not let man get glory. And the devil's certainly not going to win in your life. Amen? So we do our part. He does his part. I think that's the way I can sum it up. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's just pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Your love is great. Your mercy is great. Lord, do that work in us. Do a supernatural work in us. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. Change the way we think, Lord. Take our unbelief and turn it into belief. Thank you, Jesus, so that we then, Lord, would believe you, Lord, for anything and everything, Lord, that you have asked us to do or to be, or even, Lord, which is hard for us, even to give us, Lord, that we would believe it. And we would not be restricting you, Lord, in any way because of our unbelief. We let you be God, but we do what the word tells us to do and begin to just pray and seek you, Lord. And Lord, we can find out what that will is anyway. We can go and seek you, Lord, and that will just starts making itself evident. You just start making it clear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.